0: Everyone, this is Jill. Have you wondered how sports people can really take everything to that edge of perfection? Really work hard towards the things that their team wants them to do, their coaches want them to do, and what they hope to do? That's what we'll talk about today. There may be people out there who have more talent than you, but there's no excuse for anyone to work harder than you do, Derek Jeter. Today, we're going to talk about a book called It Takes What It Takes, How to Think Neutrally and Gain Control of Your Life by Trevor Moab. This book is really geared towards people who are interested in sports and how peak performers can really do the best to their abilities. Trevor was a president of a consulting group that talked about mental conditioning for sports people. And he worked really close with college teams and professional teams. And that's why he was so close to Russell Wilson. This book is about how you can retool your thinking so that you can think in a way that will lead you to your best performances. He calls it neutral thinking, and he believes that that is the key to having these high-performance moments. And what he says is it emphasizes the judgment-free thinking, especially when you're in this very high-pressure times, very crisis-based situations. How can you think in a way that really projects you into the best of your ability? He thinks that most of the self-help world works with mantras and platitudes and really does a lot of types of work that is ineffective when it comes to these crucial moments. He says that when he thinks about this high-pressure thinking, he says, the great thing is that you know Russ will play all 60 minutes regardless of what. And he means Russell Wilson, These football players have to go out, whether they feel like it that day, whether they're having their best day, whether they're thinking that this is going to be a good day. They have to go out there and perform. He says that neutral thinking will strip away all the things that are hammering away at our brain, all the biases that we have, all the negativity that could hold us back and really tells us to perform optimally. He says that there's so many biases out there, everything from future bias, past bias, negativity bias positivity bias they're all there and essentially they're good because they help us in our day-to-day lives make quick decisions without having to pour through the data of everything can you imagine every time you planned a meal that you had to go through the nutritional science you had to go through the physics of how your stove worked, you had to go through the biochemistry of how the different oils react Instead, biases are shortcuts, and they're ways of helping us round down the thinking so that we can actually go on with our lives and make sense of the world. But on the downside of it, they can also cause us to prejudge situations. They can introduce emotion. He says the past isn't predictive. The past isn't a prologue. That means that what happened in the past doesn't have to happen to you in the future. But your brain, because it does like these biases, will in fact think of the past as the future. So what he suggests is what he says is downshifting your brain into a neutral practice. Downshifting your brain into neutral practices is hard at first. Eventually, you'll get the hang of it. And once you can do that, you'll be able to do it on the dime. You'll be able to instantaneously switch to neutral thinking, which will help you propel yourself and come up with a clear, best strategy in a calm way so that you can perform. He says that in general, real truth isn't a negative thing. It isn't a positive thing. It just is. And unfortunately, we tend to think of things in a very negative way. When we think back at our past, sometimes we'll remember the bad things and not remember the good things, or we'll not remember them in a neutral light. And this is what he's trying to tell us to do to our normal thinking. He says that we have to give ourselves the opportunity to learn from every situation that happens to us. He says in the end that negative thinking isn't any more realistic than positive thinking, where people say, Oh, no matter what I do, I'm going to be great. That's unrealistic. But then also saying, Wow, last time I tried this, I failed, or I'm not very good at this. That is as unrealistic. As the positive thinking. And he says we have to stop relying about things that we think we feel. Feelings betray us. What we know is what is going to help us propel. He says this will translate to every situation, including our work. He says that if we had a bad boss or a boss that was negative to us, we could do something spiteful. That's emotional, but that's just gonna hurt our own reputation. That's gonna hurt who we are. Instead, if we complete the task, And succeed at what we're doing, in each of these cases, we'll be able to get the boss off our back, he says, or even get promoted and become that person's boss. The idea that we react in emotional ways is devastating to us. It's not devastating to the person that we think we're hurting. Removing the emotion, removing the feelings out of things will help you win in each situation. And you see that in almost every sport. Even people who run marathons, you don't think that marathon runners think about the whole 26.2 miles. They just think about the next step, the next foot placement, the next few feet. They're not going out and trying to overwhelm themselves with all the negative emotions about the race. It's going to be hot. It's going to be raining. I'm not going to make it. This is going to be terrible. I'm going to feel terrible the next day. If they started doing that, no one would ever accomplish things like marathons, football games any of the things that you see. A majority of what makes great athletes even greater has to do with how they think about it. And he says that anything worth anything requires us to have a plan. We have a goal. We have to chart out our neutral behaviors to get to that goal. And he says the problem is, is this oversimplistic idea that a person just says, you know what, I want to become a millionaire. And they don't think about the actual steps it would take to get to be that thing to get to be the star athlete, to get to be the richest person, the most educated person, the, the person who starts up the next great business. They never have a plan to get there. They just think, I want this. So therefore, I should have it. He says, well, we would never drive to a place that we want to go to without having a plan in place of how we're going to get there, of what method of transportation we're going to take, or using some kind of a mapping system. Why do we think we can do this with everything else. I'm just going to become thin. No strategy there. How I'm going to get there. He said that Russell Wilson had lots of plans and he asked these questions of himself. If it doesn't play out how we want it to tomorrow, what would stop it? That's where you're planning on what would cause you to fail if it was going to fail. What's your weak point? Then the next question is, if it plays out exactly as we wanted to, what would it take? What influences would it take And how would you influence it so that it would happen? And then he tells himself that he needs to execute, stay engaged and keep calm. Those are the messages that he tells himself so he can get there. And he says that he lives it everywhere. It's in his locker, on his phone, in his house. He lives by these methods everywhere he goes and that helps him stay focused. And he says that if we wanna be the goat, the greatest of all time, We have to be willing to go out there day after day, every time we have this opportunity. He says that Russell explained it, quote, I'm never down. I can never be down. I am grateful for the opportunities I get and I have to take them like a man. In the end, he said the ultimate truth is that we have to understand that it's our behaviors that actually will determine what we end up doing. Not our thoughts, not our feelings, but what we do. That's what makes all the difference in how we get ahead or we don't get ahead. He says that making bad choices is the lifeblood of the average. And while you make these bad choices, it will continue to put you in a bad spot. Once you start taking away the bad emotional thoughts that taunt us into failure or mediocrity or let it lie to us about what our future is, then we'll start being able to pull ahead with our clear thinking, and get ahead. He says that the messages we get are all the shows we watch, what we eat. And he says how we behave has everything to do with the music we listen to, the TV we watch, the movies we watch, when we eat, what we eat, if we exercise, who we associate with. All those things push us in a direction. And the question is, do we want to go in a good direction or a bad direction? I like video games, but if it's pushing me into a bad direction, it's time for it to go. I cannot afford to let something I love doing affect me in such a way that I don't get what I want. Getting a little trinket in a video game feels fantastic. Getting what you really want in your life, that feels amazing. And so you have to refocus it so that we can go for the things we want. And so our behaviors really have to do with all sorts of small decisions. Do we go to bed on time so that we feel good the next day? Do we drink too much? Do we have to actually stay up to one in the morning? Or can we go to bed at a reasonable time so we start getting up in the morning and exercising? Whatever it is that you're doing has to do with these small little choices that you're making every day. And he says that it's not often easy to answer what those things are. He said in the end, it's really hard for people to make those little tiny choices. We make the bad choice all the time. Other people around us are making the good choice. They're succeeding. They're losing weight. They're playing for the Alabama football team. They're doing all the right things so that they can get ahead. Can we make the better small choices so that we can have that clearer thinking? When talking about players, Nick Saban said to reporters, they think they have this illusion of choice, like I can do whatever I want. And it's just not true. But the matter of fact is, if you want to be good, you don't have a lot of choices because it takes what it takes. You have to do what you have to do to be successful. So you make a choice and decisions to have the discipline and the focus to the process of what you need to do to accomplish your goals. He goes on to say, you know, discipline is a funny thing. It's not only in doing the right thing the right way, the right time all the time. It's about making choices and decisions that you make every day. Discipline is something that I know you're supposed to do that I don't really want to do. Can you make yourself do it? And then over here, there's something else that you know you're not supposed to be doing that you want to do. Can you keep yourself from doing it? So it's this kind of decision making that creates a moral compass for us all to help us do the right things, to stay focused on process, of what needs to be accomplished, of our goals and aspirations. And that's something that's certainly going to be important for our team if we're going to do a good job. If you're taking the low road, making the bad choices, and even if it's paid off for you a little bit throughout your life, it's going to stop at some point and you're going to miss your goals. You're going to miss those amazing things that you want in your life, all because of poor decisions, poor behaviors, Along the way. And he says what he wants us to do is help us minimize all the regrets, the missed opportunities, all the things that we thought we could have achieved that had we not been sidetracked, had we not thought about it wrongly, became eventually demoralized. We didn't get there. And now we have all the regrets because we could have done the things we needed to do. How can we get away from that? He says it's not just the football players and the athletes that have to think this way. Probably the top performers in our companies, in our lives, in the things that we wish we were involved with, all had to take this attitude, all had to focus on the thing that mattered the most. And I think it's easy for us when we look at people who are successful and really bring them down because, all oh, they just got what they wanted or they just had the good life or their granddaddy gave them what they needed to get this done. There are step ups for people, but in the end, it has to do with the hard work, the good decisions and the behaviors you adopt every day that gets you there. And I think in reading this book, it made me think about how hard it is for teams to come together. It's one thing when you're in a sport where you have to perform well or you will lose the game. Imagine where you're counting on 60 other people making the good decision making the wise, smart ideas come true. That's when you know you have some of the best teams out there that actually made it work because it was a team that came together, not just the individual. And that seems really hard because it's hard for me to get myself to do something. How do you get 60 people to do those things? He says one of the things that happens in sports too is that college is very structured. You go to class at these times. You work with the practice the rest of the time. What happens in professional sports when you see a lot of people who were great in college and wash out is they lost that structured life. They were living the good decisions. They were making the wise choices, but probably because they were forced into it. They knew their college depended on them making that decision. They knew the regiment of their schedule, kept them in line. But once you're out there in the real world, And this is true if you are someone who is in high school, living under your parents' rules, who are giving you wise pathways to success, and then suddenly you're on your own and you're having to make your own choices. Then I think a lot of people tend to fall apart at that moment. Can they turn around and can you turn around so that you can start making those good small choices to bring it back into that disciplined behavior so that you can actually get where you want to go. He says it's always important, even if we're having successes, to look back at our lives and take an unbiased examination of where we're at, how we're doing, and could we be doing things differently. This raw assessment will help us have a more realistic view of where we need to go. He even says it's not bad for us to do quarterly evaluations so that we can see how we're doing. It's really hard to sit there and have an annual goal or a five-year goal without checking back regularly to see if you're on the right track. I even think that building in benchmarks along the way will help it be even better. If you want to be at this weight loss in five years, what does that weight loss look like in two and a half years? What does it look like in a month? And break down those goals into that smaller piece so that you know whether you're on track or off track. He says that we all need guardrails in our life. And I love this example. We need to be able to have something on the side of the road. Or if you're into bowling, they put bumpers on the side of the alleys so that you don't go into the ditch. These guardrails keep you driving off of a cliff, keep you driving off of the road and harming yourself. What kinds of guardrails can you put in place so that you stay on the right path? For me, it's pretty easy when it comes to nutrition. I won't buy the foods that will send me into the ditch. I only keep the foods in my house that are going to promote the kind of life I want. Do I fail at that sometimes? Sure. Do I fail at that particularly at the times of the holidays? Of course I do. But it's not going to be my behavior from Thanksgiving to Christmas that causes me to fail on my goals. It's gonna be the behaviors from Christmas to Thanksgiving, the whole rest of the year. And if I can, for the most part, have that guardrail of not putting junk food in my house. And sometimes that means that I don't buy a game I really want to play because I know that that game is going to cause me to fail in my goals. I know it's going to distract me. He says that we need to stop verbalizing the stupid things that we think about our inabilities, particularly in people. Oh, I'm just real terrible at that. I can't do that. Stop saying I can't or I won't or it's impossible. You want something, it starts with one choice. And I thought that was just brilliant because it's true that we think that all these little tiny decisions don't matter. But you know what? The biggest problem I have in my life is that I nickel and dime myself to death. I don't buy cars. I don't buy jewelry. I don't buy a lot of expensive things. But do I spend money on the wrong things? Yes, in $15 increments. Do I eat bad food? Like, I buy an entire cake and then I eat the cake. No, I never do that. I do it because I got a candy bar or I bought a bag of cookies. It's always this nickel and dime situation with me. It is never the big things. And so I know that's my weakness, that I have to look at the little things to get the big things I want. He says in the end that average is a choice. Greatness is a choice. All of these levels that we have in our lives are because we chose to have those levels in our lives. And it's not because you got beat down. And it's not because even other people had a great coach or, or a great mentor or someone to help us be an accountability partner. It's on us and that we have to be the person who changes it. And we do have the power to change it. We also have the power to prolong the bad things are happening. For us, it's not about positive thinking. It's not about negative thinking. It's not about having confidence that you didn't deserve. It's about those choices, those small behaviors that you make, and that most times when you act, you're acting in a way that gets you towards your goal. He says that we always think about the great ability to sell things to other people. We kind of admire people who have that way of building a business and making other people believe in it. But he says the most important power we can have is the ability to sell ourselves on an idea. When we think about these great entrepreneurs, we think about their ability to get investors and convince other people to join their business, their community, their social network. But the first person they had to convince was themselves. They had to convince themselves that they were capable and able to do those things, but not only that, do the small things that it took. He says the past is over, the future is uncertain, and the unknown is uncomfortable. The systems that are in place that got other people to be successful have that ability to make us successful too. We don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. We know what makes people successful. We know the pathway that gets us to our goals. We just somehow think that either we can get to our goals by not doing the hard work, Or that hard work didn't get other people to the goals and I don't have what it takes to get there. All of that is a giant lie. Every behavior that you take, every food that you eat, every decision that you make has an impact towards going towards the things that you want or away from the things you want. And that we have no place to hide when it comes to our behaviors on a day-to-day basis. My challenge to you this week is think of one way that you can make a positive change in the small things you do that's dragging you away from the one thing you want to get done. Our fun entertainment quote of the week comes from dodgeball. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. What? Ha! Oh. 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 <laughs> Any other questions? Okay, so maybe it's not the best way to make a point. But the idea is that if you have the ability to do something when it's important, you have the ability to do it all the time. Yeah, that's the lesson he's trying to tell people. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I appreciate that you're out there and listening. Again, if you want to go to smallstepspod.com, you can check out my website and there's notes and links there. And if you didn't know it, you can actually listen to the podcast right from the website. I hope everyone has a great week.